1: This summer, I had hoped to find a way to prepare not just for another year, but another term, because that is what this year requires. I have not been able to do that. And so today, I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election.
2: New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern shocked the world last week when she resigned. She said that after more than five years in office, She was just burnt out.
1: I know what this job takes, and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple.
2: Ardern's actions as prime minister often got international attention. She enacted tough gun restrictions after a mass killing in 2019, and she implemented a strict pandemic lockdown that kept coronavirus infections low her leadership style became known as the politics of kindness.
3: She was a prominent head of government in the Western world, a feminist icon to a certain extent, and a political figure of unusual honesty, empathy, and charisma.
2: Ishan Tharoor is a foreign affairs columnist for The Post. He says Ardern was also unusually forthright about her identity as a woman and working parent.
3: When she came to power, she was 37 years old and... Therefore, one of the youngest uh, world leaders. And then she went on a year later to give birth in office, making her only the second head of state or government to give birth in the modern era.
2: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Kim Belware. It's Thursday, January 26. Today, the legacy Jacinda Ardern leaves behind both in New Zealand and abroad. Talk about Ardern's actions as prime minister. But first, what made her such a prominent head of government, especially outside of New Zealand?
3: Well, that, that's right. New Zealand, of course, is a small country, only 5 million people. And it's a country that, while it, there is a degree of soft power that it commands on the world stage, it's nothing commensurate to the kind of global reputation that Ardern herself built. Some of the things that that really catapulted her in the global imagination, of course, it was her youth. It was the fact that she gave birth while in office. I am not the first
1: woman to multitask. I'm not the first woman to work and have a baby. I know these are special circumstances, but there'll be many women uh, who will have done this well before I have. Uh, I acknowledge those women. I am about to sympathize with them uh, a lot, as I sympathize with all women who suffered morning sickness.
3: (laughs) And then brought her three-month-old baby to the floor of the UN General Assembly. And if you see the kinds of characters who go to the floor of the UN General Assembly every year, it was a real breath of fresh air among the political classes of New York, but also, you know, in the global imagination.
2: This picture speaks for itself, so we're just going to show it to you right now. New Zealand's prime minister bringing her baby to the U.N. She's the first world leader to do so. Jacinda
3: Ardern... This is somebody who was showing what it's like to be a working, breastfeeding mother. And and here she was on the world stage, the literal world stage, with her baby. And that really cemented her reputation as a kind of pathbreaking feminist figure.
2: As far as her other work as prime minister, what other things did she do while she was in office?
3: She's really associated with handling a series of crises. You had the incident in Christchurch. This is a, a ghastly episode in 2019 where a far right white nationalist gunman, someone who was born in Australia, burst into two mosques in the city of Christchurch and killed ultimately 51 people who were attending these mosques. It was a brazen act, horrific because he also streamed part of it online and it was you know, one of the worst incidents in New Zealand's modern history and something that shocked the world.
1: It is clear that this can now only be described as a terrorist attack. From what we know, it does appear to have been well-planned. Two explosive devices attached
3: to- Arden's reaction was striking. She rushed to the community, mourned with those mourning, donned a hijab in solidarity with New Zealand's Muslims and uh, delivered a speech of profound empathy and courage as well as determination to move beyond this and to to defend uh, the multiculturalism that defined New Zealand in her mind and to protect New Zealand going forward.
1: When any part of the body suffers, the whole body feels pain. New Zealand mourns with you We are
3: one. And so you saw both uh, a reflection of her capacity for empathy and solidarity with others, but also um, a political streak as well, because she quickly moved thereafter to push through significant gun control.
1: Today I'm announcing that New Zealand will ban all military-style semi-automatic weapons. We will also ban all assault rifles. We will ban all high capacity magazines. We will ban and
3: all Both those acts, one of real humanity and one of political determination, definitely buttressed her image on the world stage. Not that long thereafter, there was a, a really cataclysmic volcanic eruption that impacted numbers of communities. And then, of course, you had the pandemic. And for a major period of time during the pandemic, Jacinda Ardern was seen, certainly elsewhere in the world, but also within her own country, as a tremendously successful figure in the fight against COVID. Of course, New Zealand is blessed by its geographic remoteness, but Ardern managed to put into place a regime of controls that kept New Zealand essentially COVID-free during the worst of the pandemic, before uh, we had any vaccines.
1: Failure of anyone to play their part in coming days will put the lives of others at risk, and there will be no tolerance for that. We will not hesitate to use our enforcement powers if needed.
3: You could say that, you know, New Zealand's zero COVID policy, unlike, say, that of China, was the most successful iteration of this exercise. And and to this day, New Zealand has some of the lowest COVID death rates in the Western world. And that was clearly a success. Of course, in the months thereafter, they loosened their controls and imposed other controls, including certain vaccination mandates. Ardern's uh, legacy in handling the pandemic has shifted a little bit and contributed to a pretty significant backlash against her time in office.
2: That's a lot in a short amount of time, since she was in office for a little more than five years. I'm curious, throughout all of this, was she seen as a popular leader in New Zealand?
3: I think for the bulk of the time, she absolutely was a popular figure in New Zealand. And the phenomenon that we now ascribe to her, Jacinda Mania, was both a domestic and international phenomenon. She's somebody who led her party to a pretty significant and comfortable re-election in 2020. Basically drawing on a mandate that was very much linked to her own personal success and magnetism as a political figure. Her time in office absolutely was was defined by uh, her capacity for empathy, her support for a more inclusive, fair society. She had, you know, the most diverse cabinet in New Zealand history. She did a lot to uplift and highlight New Zealand's kind of indigenous Maori character as well. She had uh, the largest number of ministers from the LGBTQ community in her cabinet. She was somebody who really believed in the politics of inclusion and worked toward that. Of course, uh, the pandemic has been difficult, not just for her country, but for every country. And in recent months, especially in the last couple of years, uh, the economic tailwinds of the pandemic, plus a very divisive debate over vaccination mandates, has put a kind of asterisk on her popularity. I think you can say that even to this day, she is, I think, easily the most well-known political figure in New Zealand, arguably still the most popular but there was a a real backlash to her government's vaccination mandates based in part on a kind of shared feverish online world of far-right activists that that, you you can link them to other protests in Canada and Europe and the United States. And the anti-vax movement really targeted Ardern as this key proponent of, in their view, anti-democratic, tyrannical, pro-vaccine measures.
1: I'd say is that we're all actually completely on the same page when it comes to driving vaccinations and making sure that we're doing everything that we can to reach people that we need to. This is an issue of, this is an
0: issue, sir, I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer the questions of the accredited media,
1: sir, I will shut down the press conference if you do not cease. Sorry, to our accredited members of uh,
3: the... And uh, last year, you saw, in late February, March, pretty unusual scenes for for New Zealand, which is not known for particularly combustive politics, where you had anti-vax protesters camping out in the centre of the capital, scuffling with police. Freedom! Freedom! And that incident uh, was quite disturbing to a lot of people in New Zealand because it reflected a a new kind of tone in its politics, a, a kind of very polarizing, combustible tone that had not really been detected before in New Zealand and reflected perhaps a more global phenomena taking root in this country so far away from much of the world.
2: After the break, the other side of Jacinda Mania. We'll be right back. Ishan, let's talk more about the backlash Jacinda Ardern faced. A lot of the criticism she dealt with was focused on the fact that she was a woman and a working mother. Can you say a little bit more about some of the more misogynistic backlash?
3: A lot of the anger directed toward her, especially online, sometimes in person, took issue with the celebrity she has generated by being this very honest, open, Pioneering feminist figure uh, on the world stage. She is somebody who, yes, will appear in vogue. She is somebody who, yes, will make no bones about the fact that she's breastfeeding on the job. That left her exposed to a really nasty world of hate. A lot of people have actually compared Jacinda Ardern to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the sense that they are both liberal leaders uh, whose celebrity and well and recognition kind of transcend the relative smallness of their countries. But it's without question that Ardern has received so much more hate, most of it misogynistic, because of the way she has conducted herself and because of the fearlessness with which she has conducted herself.
2: And can you talk some about how Ardern approached being a mother as well as the leader of the country? You know, this is a role that A lot of people feel it's impossible, this line for women in politics to walk. And she handled it in a very open and and honest way, some would say.
3: Yes, I think open and honest is exactly right. You know, she was somebody who made no bones about the fact that she was a working mother. And, you know, she wasn't somebody who expected to be lionized for, for doing what she was doing. But she also didn't want to have to hide the fact that she was a working mother either. And... You know, the fact that she brought her baby to the floor of the UN General Assembly, this wasn't just a a world leader showing up with a baby. This was a message. This was uh, a recognition of the fact that there are countless women around the world who have to deal with, you know, the very direct needs of a young baby in their day-to-day lives and in the workplace. That was what's so unique about Jacinda Ardern, was that you never really got the sense that this was somebody who was uh, particularly calculated about how she looked and how she appealed to the world. She just was. And that really made her all the more impressive to a lot of people.
2: So there's a national election coming up later this year in October, and I understand there is a political calculation behind her resignation, right? Can you talk about her resignation will shape politics going forward?
3: She herself would say that she's not bowing out of politics for political reasons but for personal reasons that, you know, she said in her own speech that she had not enough left in the tank to do the job and, and this was yet again a kind of reflection of her unusual honesty uh, in office and as a public figure.
1: I know there will be much discussion in the aftermath of this decision as to what the so-called real reason was. I can tell you that what I'm sharing today is it the only interesting angle that you will find is that after going on 6 years of some big challenges i am human politicians are human we give all that we can for as long as we can and then it's time and for me it's time and i'm looking forward to
3: spending but uh, absolutely there is a political dimension to this in the sense that The Labour Party is hoping to retain control of the government after elections in October and ardour in exiting essentially allows them to try to recast themselves in a different light, to uh, distance themselves from the legacy of the pandemic and the complicated politics that surrounded that, and perhaps portray themselves in a more forward-looking context. Whether that's successful or not, we'll see.
2: This is funny, Sean. When I was in Seoul, I ran into some New Zealanders and I asked them like, you know, what they thought of her, and they were they were kind of muted and it was the first time I had any inkling that she was not necessarily that the view of her was not the same at home as it was international. So, um why do you think it is that on the inter- that her international image differed from how she was viewed inside New Zealand?
3: I think this is a phenomenon that you see elsewhere. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would be another example of a kind of liberal darling on the world stage who has a more checkered uh, record and reputation at home. Jacinda Ardern, as a democratically elected leader, she's not going to be universally popular. She's going to represent a certain set of politics that not everyone in her country likes. And at a certain point, anybody who is the source of such adoration is going to engender a degree of irritation, (laughs) resentment, People are going to roll their eyes over the rest of the world, fawning over a figure who they see as much more fallible, perhaps. And uh, that's certainly the case in New Zealand politics. She's not some kind of deity. She is their elected prime minister now who has not fully addressed certain issues that have been longstanding in the country. I think first and foremost the cost of living issues the the question over housing in New Zealand and those underlie a, a broader sense that The Labour government hasn't adequately reckoned with an economy and hasn't adequately reckoned with growing inequality in New Zealand as well. But I don't want to discount the fact that she is still, despite all the backlash and complications, a pretty remarkably popular figure in her own country.
2: Ishan, thank you. Thank you. Ishan Tharoor is a foreign affairs columnist for The Post and is the author of the newsletter and column Today's Worldview. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Arjun Singh. It was mixed by Sam Baer and edited by Lucy Perkins. If you want to show your support for the show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Kim Belware. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.